This is a Federal News Network podcast. For a variety of reasons, many U.S. military installations are in danger of insufficient water. But the Government Accountability Office found the Defense Department can't be sure of which ones. That has to do with the sources of information it relies on. For more, we turn to the GAO's Director of Defense Capabilities and Management Issues, Elizabeth Field. Ms. Field, good to have you back. Thanks for having me. You were looking at the water shortage itself, the potential for that, or whether the DOD was capable of knowing which installations were in danger of a water shortage? Really the latter. Um, the, the Senate in the FY19 National Defense Authorization Act asked us to look at how the department was uh, managing issues related to water scarcity because the department itself had stated that installations, critical installations, were at risk of water scarcity. When we started looking at that question, we found that the very sort of fundamental question of which installations are at risk was not so easily answered, and so we decided to take a deeper look there. And is this scarcity that they're worried about of drinking water or water for other purposes as well? Water for all of the purposes that the department uses it, uh, that installations use it. So if you think about uh, normal uses of water that, that we would use it for, everything from sanitation to drinking, those are things that the department needs water for, but also things like live fire training, weapons testing, rocket launching, uh, where they use water for noise and vibration suppression. So there are a lot of different ways in which installations use water. So it doesn't necessarily mean potable water in all instances, just volumes of water. Right, not necessarily. And uh, just to give you a sense of the scope here, in 2018, the Department of Defense used about 84 billion gallons of water. Wow. Do they have any sense of the reason that there's shortages? Is it because demand is increasing or because most of the installations are in the United States, I take it, that they're worried about? And what has changed? So I think what they're concerned about is looking into the future that there will be uh, water shortages. We have put uh, the department's risk or really the federal government's risk, financial risk due to climate change on our high risk list, as you might be aware. And so I think the department is looking out across the horizon and recognizing that uh, due to things like increasing droughts and increasing severe weather events, that this is going to be a problem. Sure. And let's get to the heart of what you were looking at, and that is the sources of information that DOD relies on. You found that they could not be sure that they were using comparable sources from place to place and therefore couldn't be sure where the shortages might actually happen. Right. It's a confusing picture. So when we first went to the department and said, could you please tell us which installations are most at risk for water scarcity, which initially, as I I referenced earlier, was meant to be just a, a beginning question for us to continue doing our audit. We found out that there were six different lists that the department had identifying installations at risk, three that had been produced at the Office of the Secretary of Defense level, the OSC level, and then one done by each of the three military departments. And what made us begin to sort of scratch our heads was that when we compared these lists to one another, we realized that they were not at all in agreement. What did they say when when they found this out? Well, um, they said, you know, look, these are assessments that we produced uh, in response to, to different requirements. For example, each of the three OSD assessments was done in response to a different congressional mandate. Uh, the military department said they produced their own list for their own purposes. And we recognize that because of that, there might be some difference in the results of the assessments. What was striking to us, though, was just 
how different the results were. So just to give you a sense, taken all together, these six different assessments identified 102 installations that might be at risk for water scarcity. There was only one that was common uh, to all of them, and that was Camp Vandenberg, which I mentioned earlier with, with the rocket launches. Um, to give you another example, though, of, of how confusing the results were, there were 18 total Army installations identified across the OSD assessments. Only one White Sands Missile Range, New Mexico, appeared in all three. However, when we looked at the Army's own assessment, it did not identify that installation as being at risk. So again, very confusing. We're speaking with Elizabeth Field, Chief Director of Defense Capabilities and Management Issues at the Government Accountability Office. So I guess the basic problem here is they can't begin to plan for remediation and whatever alterations they need to make unless they have an accurate picture of what's really going on. Knowing which installations are at risk is important for everything from um, budgeting to strategic planning, you know, developing good mitigation strategies moving forward, but also for informing Congress. Congress has really wanted to know where the biggest concerns lie when it comes to um, water scarcity. And, And so it's important for the department to be able to answer that question. I should note that one of the pieces of our analysis, once we realized that there was such um, a disparate set of results here in terms of identifying which installations were at risk, was to then look at the methodologies underlying the assessments. We found quite a number of problems with the OSD level assessments, but we found that the military department assessments were actually uh, pretty well done. Yeah, so I guess you could say then it's possible that everybody has a water shortage or that nobody does or somewhere in between is the truth, but that's that's the issue they can't get at. Well, I think that the Air Force and the Navy and the Army have a better grasp on this, frankly, than OSD does. And so to give you a sense of, of what we did, we derived five leading practices for identifying and analyzing risks of water scarcity um, based on, on certain sources that I can get into if you're interested. And we found that the military department assessments actually followed all of those five leading practices. OSD and its assessments did not. The problem, though, is that when we went back to the department and said, look, we think that your OSD level assessments are not that great, but the military department's assessments are, um, some OSD level officials said, well, we still think that our assessments are the best. And others said, well, no, we can use the military department assessments. So they couldn't reach internal agreement. So we made a recommendation to them that they make an internal decision and document it as to whether, A, they're going to rely on the military department assessments for everything from uh, you know, water management planning to informing Congress, or do a new OSD-level assessment that does follow those five leading practices I mentioned. All right, so suppose they then follow those leading practices and they get some kind of an assessment that everybody agrees on. Then what happens? Well, installations are required already to develop plans to address and mitigate Uh, vulnerabilities, including a risk of water scarcity. Um, I think having a a more reliable list that everybody agrees on, though, would help everyone make sure that they are focusing resources and attention in the places that they really need to focus it on. And I guess we should go into, as you mentioned, what are the best practices for these assessments that OSD did not do, that the military branches tended to do. Sure. So the five leading practices that, that we derived, and I should say we derived them from uh, standards set by the Department of Energy, by the EPA, and by the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's National Drought Mitigation Center, 
those practices are first identify current water availability, second identify future water availability, third take into account all sources of water, fourth precisely identify locations, and then fifth comprehensively include all locations that you care about. And in the case of the OSD level assessments, we found that one of the biggest problems they had is that they generally, at least two of the three, relied on the U.S. Drought Monitor, which is issued by NOAA. And the Drought Monitor is a good tool, but it's not a good tool for doing what the department was trying to do, which is to um, determine the risk of water scarcity moving into the future. And so, for example, when I talked about um, looking at future water availability. Well, the drought monitor only looks at retrospective data. It is not meant to be used um, as a forward-looking tool. Similarly, one of the leading practices is to pre precisely identify locations. Well, the drought monitor really only gets down to sort of the regional level, so it's not meant to get down to the level of specificity of um, installations, for example. And it doesn't necessarily take into account all sources of water, things like snowpack or underground aquifers. So it's really not a good tool to use if you want to determine precisely which installations are at risk for water scarcity in the future. And your major recommendations, therefore? Well, the department needs to make a decision. Is it going to rely on the military department assessments that do align with those five leading practices that I identified? Or is the department going to do a new OSD level assessment of all installations across the military departments that is of a better quality than the assessments it currently has, something that does align with those five leading practices? Well, it sounds like if the armed services do align with those practices, then maybe OSD could save a lot of time and effort just simply accepting those. It certainly could. However, some OSD officials with whom we spoke said that they didn't feel that, that it would be appropriate for them to rely on the military department assessments because they're not necessarily comparable to one another um, over time. They do use some different methodologies. Um, again, we think that of the six available assessments available to them now, those three by the military departments are the best that they have. Um, and the department needs to make a, I would say, risk-based decision here. Do they want to accept that those three are the best that they have and move forward, do the, or do they want to expend the, the time and the resources needed to develop a new OSD-wide assessment? Um, that's a decision they have to make. Elizabeth Field is Director of Defense Capabilities and Management Issues at the Government Accountability Office. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. As prices keep creeping up, your entertainment budget doesn't have to take a hit. Live One Plus has all the music you love, ad-free for only $3.99 per month. Dive into Live One's massive library of songs, listen to curated playlists, or create your own. Check out exclusive artist-hosted stations and do it all for the best price in streaming. Lock in a Live One Plus membership for just $3.99 per month now, and you'll not only beat inflation, you'll get all your favorite music ad-free. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. <laughs> 